All right, this is Dr. Moss, and you have tuned in to Theologically Speaking. I want to continue with the gifts of the Spirit. I want to look over at Acts chapter 10, verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Another great scripture is James chapter 1 and verse 22. It says, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. And Jesus performed a dual ministry of word and deed. He was anointed with the power of the Holy Ghost. And we are to do the same. That is not only preach and teach, but to do mighty works, both which should at times at least manifest a supernatural power of God. If you look in Mark chapter 16, starting at verse 17, we read these words. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. And they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. If we look in the English Bible, it is translated this way. Faith will bring with it these miracles. Believers will cast out devils in my name, speak in strange tongues. If they handle snakes, or drink any deadly poison, they will come to no harm. And the sick on whom they lay hands will recover. The provision that God has made for this supernatural power is to be used through the believer, is through the gifts of action. The first gift of action is the gift of faith. The second would be the working of miracles. And the third would be the gift of healing. Now, as we discuss these three gifts, let's remember still that they are supernatural, supernatural, supernatural power working through the believer. Not as a separate function of the believer apart from the Holy Ghost, but correlated or united effort of both the believer and God. God having the power and the believer becoming the agent. Let's look at the gift of faith and death. There's probably very, 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 very little difference between saving faith and the gift of faith, except the purpose for which it is exercised and the degree of its intensity. Saving faith is necessary for saving of a soul, while the gift of faith is for the accomplishing of God's will, especially in extraordinary circumstances or dire emergencies. Look at Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 and verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It is the assurance 
of the answer to one's prayer before they come to pass. I'm going to say it again. It's the assurance of the answer to one's prayer before they come to pass. It's not ordinary faith, which may, which every man has been given a measure of, Romans 12 and 3, but it is a supernatural substance. It's a supernatural substance um, that it comes from the Holy Spirit that dwells in man's spirit. Like someone like Lazarus, John 11. Tabitha, Acts chapter 9, verse 34 through 40. Acts chapter 20 and 9. Eutitus, um, when, when he is raised from the dead and the gift of, faith, gift of faith is manifest, it takes an unusual degree of faith to even consider praying for a dead person. Obviously, the deceased person has no faith. And in the view of the circumstances, most living people would not have faith for such a miracle. One minister stated that no one who had ever been raised from the dead in his ministry. And when asked what he would do if someone died during a church service, he replied, I'll call for an ambulance. Because hmm. only the gift of faith can empower us to overcome our natural fears and the reservations um, in order to believe God in the face of an impossible circumstances. Like apparently um, Stephen in Acts chapter 8 and Barnabas in Acts chapter 11 were two biblical characters who were known for unusual faith. Um, this was no doubt as a result of the gift of faith and operations in their life and in their ministry. Okay. So with the gift of faith, you can know that fire will fall from God and burn up water stones. It can make you shout before the walls fall. It can cause you to sleep in a storm and know that no man can harm you. It will cause your works to come alive and put miracles and healings to work in your ministry. It will let you be thrown into the furnace of a fire or let you know that the boat won't sink before you reach your destination. But what faith is not is that it is not courage or boldness. Any natural person can have that. It's not self-confidence. It's not experience. It's not common faith, Titus 1 and 4, to Titus, mine own son, after the common faith, grace, mercy, peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ our Savior. It's not faith, <laughs> the fruit of the Spirit, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, goodness, faith. Every Christian should have this. It's not working up faith or trying to have faith. It's not doing something under stress or from necessity, hoping it's gonna work. It's not believing. That's the soul function. 
think about this little, this little uh, heard a story about the little lady in the back of the church. You know, you got to watch them sometime because sometimes the gift of faith will be exercised by someone totally unnoticed in the congregation. Their eyes and attentions are usually on the platform centered on the big personality that everyone came to see. You'll see miracles and healing and say, oh, yes, isn't he or she so wonderful? Oh, what a ministry. Doesn't God use that person when all the faith that is being manifest may be coming from the little old saint in the back row of the church? Mr. or Mrs. Limelight may get the credit here, but there will be some surprises, you guys, at the judgment seat of Christ. There are those who shun the spotlight because that are caused by miracles. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Um, but they are real powerhouses. The gift of faith is believing the same as faith. Is it? We have seen how faith must be accomplished. It must be accompanied by works or becomes inactive because faith is from the spirit and believing is from the soul or the psyche or the mind whereas faith is the substance and, be and believing is the soul's decision to accept God's promises for the supernatural faith relates to the spirit world Believing relates to self and the physical world. The word faith is the, is the name of something. Believing is a verb that's calling for action. And faith is the supernatural. Believing is natural. So faith is supernatural, but believing is natural. Faith will not become alive unless a person believes, meaning to perform some um, sort of action that's loosely caused in the act of faith. It could be called an act of believing. For believing is the action while faith is the substance. And faith can be seen Rather, the evidence or faith can be seen. Let's look at James. James chapter 2, verse 17. Watch his words. Even so faith, if it have not works, it's dead being alone. Yeah, man may say, thou hast faith and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy work, and I will show thee my faith by thy work. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. But the devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Verse 24. You see that by the works of man is justified and not by faith only. Verse 26. For as the body without the spirit is dead so faith without works is dead also 
Let's move. Let's look at working in miracles. Miracles are supernatural events that cannot be accomplished by natural means. In scripture, miracles are signs or workings of divine power. Let's look at Acts chapter 5 and verse 12. We see that the many signs and wonders that were seen in the ministry of the apostles, so much that they brought forth the sick and laid them on bed and couches in the street so that at least the shadow of Peter, glory to God, shandalable, uh, the, 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 the shadow of Peter might pass over them and heal them. Acts chapter 6 and verse 8. Stephen, full of power, full of faith and power, excuse me, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Uh, let's look over Acts chapter 8. In verse 5, we see the miracles that were manifest through Philip's ministry. Uh, verse 6. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did, verse 7, for unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them, and many were taken with palsies, and, and that they were lame. Guess what? They were healed. Later on, if you look in verse 13, we see that um, Simon, the sorcerer, that sorcerer who had been bewitched and bewitched the people of Samaria, verse 9, believed also. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wandered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Glory. When Tabitha, Acts 9, Ninth chapter, Acts, verse 37 through 40. Acts 20 and 9, you see people who are raised from the dead and gifts of faith and the works of, men of miracles were performed and manifested. One of the last miracles recorded in the book of Acts took place about 30 years after the day of Pentecost. Look at Acts 28, 5. Paul was bitten by a venomous snake snake and no harm came to him to the amazement of all those who witnessed it the working of miracles is not the skill or technology of medicine or science or any other natural achievement any non-christian can obtain great heights in any of these fields with enough intelligence and enough training. It is not the building of great churches, hospitals, schools, or the rise of fame or fortune. All these can result in wisdom and knowledge. God will give us these things, but they are not usually the result of the gift of the working of miracles. I wanted to say that. I wanted to say that. I always used to tell people, um, save your miracles. Folks say, I'm going into prayer because I have a headache. Well, okay. That's a waste of a miracle and a waste of a prayer. God has given us 
um, great wisdom where they have Excedrin, and I don't mean to name Brock um, or to call out names any favor, but they have pills and Tylenol and, and headache medicine and things for that. Don't waste your prayer on things that can naturally be solved. Only one gift of miracles, but all are, are miraculous. Although all nine gifts of the Spirit are classified as miraculous since they are accomplished through supernatural means and not through natural talents or abilities. The gift of miracles is a category of feats that are possible through none of the other gifts. Let's look at Acts chapter 19. And God wrought, verse 11, and God wrought or worked a special miracles by the hands of Paul. The gift of miracles is power over demons. Exorcism. Look at Acts 8 and 6 and 7. Through this gift, the dead can be raised and storms will cease. Lions' mouths are closed. Judgments are performed. Waters turn to wine. Fires called down from heaven. Plagues are brought upon nations. Men have great strength. They walk on water. The suns turn back. An axe head will float. And none of the other gifts do these things. With the gift Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, fed 5,000 with just two fish and five loaves of bread, restored the priest's ear when Peter cut it off, the gift opened the jail doors for Paul and Silas, Acts chapter 16, verse 26. Paul raised a man from the dead after he fell out a window. He fell out a window because Paul bored him to death. <laughs> Paul, Paul was deep and deep in, deep in um, scripture and, and a man of powerful faith, but he wasn't entertaining. And the man was listening to Paul preach and he preached for so many hours. The man fell asleep and fell out the window and died. <laughs> and, and, and so if we ever needed a clock for the sermon. <laughs> and so there the man was dead, not only dead from boredom, but he, he died because he fell out the window. And then we find that the Apostle Paul uh, raised that man from the dead. <laughs> uh, this gift turned water into wine. It made oil stay in a cruise for one woman and one meal for a whole year. With it, Moses had the power over rain, hail, insects. Peter spoke judgment to the two who lied to the Holy Spirit. And with the Red Sea parted and the walls of, Jamer of, of Jericho, they fell for this gift. Then we got the gift of healing. The gift of healing involves supernatural healing of disease and infirmities, both physical and emotional. Through this gift, the Holy Spirit enables the believer to destroy the works of Satan in the human body. Now, it's a plural word, gifts, instead of gift being singular. It indicates that there's more 
that there may be various gifts involved. You see, it means that God anoints certain individuals with supernatural power over certain diseases, or it may indicate that healing takes place at various levels or degrees. For instance, some illnesses are cured instantly, while others are progressively, although at a much higher healing rate than that which is normal. That's where the gift comes in, when it, when it intervenes in the normal process and it happens fast. But what these gifts are not, they're not related to the medical profession. Although any spirit-filled doctor or nurse could have this gift, it's not a mind over matter thing or Christian science that originates from the psychic of man and not the spirit of God. It is not the use of medicines and herbs and drugs or remedies because these are still natural healings. It is not suggested therapeutics, new thought healing, magnetic healing, hypnotism, psychotherapeutics, vibration healings, concentration thought of uh, consecrated thoughts uh it's not the use of color or music that induce healing all of these come from the mind but what they are they're supernatural gifts of healing healing was accomplished in the ministries of moses elijah um, elisha Jesus, the disciples, Paul, Stephen, Philip, and thousands of spiritual believers every since. In Acts chapter 3, a lame man, verse 6, a lame man was made whole. In Acts chapter 5, verse 15, the very shadow of Peter caused people to be healed. In Acts chapter 9, verse 33, there's uh, Arenas was healed from palsy. Acts 14, verse 8, the crippled man was healed. Acts 19, 11, special miracles um, from the handkerchiefs and the aprons caused diseases to be healed. In Acts chapter 28, um, Publius' father was healed, and as well as others. And Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would come, and then the believers, all the way down to the end of the age, would do the same thing. So in every case, when he told his followers to go and preach, he also told them to heal the sick and to cast out devils using his name and power. John 14, 12, Acts 1, 8, Matthew 28, 19, uh, Mark 16, 15 through 8, all of these had cases of where uh, those scripture references are places where he empowered the saints to do it. He expected us to do it. And he still. Now, one of the things I do notice, I'm going to set up my next, is that there is an absence of this in the church today. Um, I always believed when I pastored and it was my theory and it was my motive of operandi is that I always wanted God to show up. So when they danced or 
choir sang or we worshiped in my preaching, teaching, um, in the atmosphere, how the flow of the service went. It was all to get God to show up. Um, I, I didn't like the, I remember people used to say, it's the heart that matters and had people get up and sing and, and they couldn't sing. And somebody would say, well, it's the heart that matters. And, and I would say, no, well, in heaven they sing perfect. And God listens to perfect heal, singing all day and night at the throne. Why would he show up in our church for someone who's not singing perfectly, who didn't rehearse and didn't study? And I, I find that there's an absence of these, of the level of expectation of God showing up. And that's where we get into the religious place that we find ourselves in. I'd asked how many people, and of course there's a pandemic and there's a lot of churches that are still at home, but I feel like it still should call for the urging, for the sensation to run and say, what must I do to be saved? And I find that that's the absence that's in church today is that number one is that power is gone. Power is gone because we don't expect God to show up. And all that's all that we need is for God to do. Ooh, I feel God. All we need him to do is show up. Because if he shows up, he's going to bring everything he has with him. Glory to God. He don't have to go back to heaven and get nothing. Glory. If he show up at your church, I'm talking about the little Timbuktu Missionary Baptist, the little uh, short bus apostolic healing center, whatever the name of your church is or your ministry. If you would operate in the spirit of excellence with um, the expectancy that God is going to show up, expecting that he's going to show up. And when he does, he's going to bring everything that he has. And so if you need healing, guess what? When God show up, the healing will come. Breakthrough will come. Peace will come. Everything that you need, all you got to do is just get God to show up. And sometimes you got to cut the program out and just let God have his way because we are set up. I heard um, um, one announcer had said that, talk about the city that I live in now, Atlanta, Falcons, and it said that bad teams find ways to lose and good teams find ways to win. And I say the same thing for churches. I say um, effective churches find ways to serve God. And churches that are not uh, effective find ways to need God. Think about it. Message me. Holler at me. Let me know what you're thinking. Appreciate you tuning in today. Until the next time, Dr. Moss out.